Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Superoffice Podcast, podcast for customers, potential customers, partners, employees in the Superoffice community. My name is Hans. I work in Superoffice, and I'm your host in this show. Today we have a pretty good guest. Well, actually, a very good guest. You've heard him before, and uh, it. Today's episode is about uh, virtual prospecting, and it comes after the last episode, which was about account-based marketing. So I hope you think this is interesting and it fits very well with the topic. And if you are here to build a pipeline and uh, work with social media and uh, be smart about uh, attracting the right type of customers for your customer, then I hope you really get some valuable from this episode. So let's go directly over to it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Super Office podcast. Um, I have a great uh, guest today. I have a great topic today that we're going to discuss. And uh, in our previous episode, we talked about account-based marketing, which is on everybody's lips these days if you're in the B2B space. Uh, we talked about what it is and um, how it works. And, and the fundamentals of ABM is that it's not something you ship over to marketing, but you uh, go into your uh, uh, sales uh, personality and you really need to coordinate the work. And uh, this topic, uh, account-based selling or account-based prospecting, is on uh, the agenda today. I'm really happy to welcome a guest of the podcast, I might say, uh, or a friend of the podcast, Mikael Ado from Implement in Denmark. Welcome, Mikael. Thanks a lot, AC. I'm looking so much forward to have um, yet another good conversation with you about a very interesting topic. That's great. But before we start, what's going on now in the sales world? Uh, I mean, you're in, into this talking to big customers and, uh, and doing projects. Uh, what's, uh, what's cooking out there in your opinion? Yeah, I think a lot of stuff is cooking. Uh, coming <laughs> I, didn't pitch you. I didn't pitch you. So now you get a, you know, a challenge, right? Yeah, it, that's, that's kind of like a challenge. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of stuff going on and there's not a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> So we, we, we're all coming out of the pandemic and now hit by, uh, I don't know, um, the war in Ukraine and you know, changing uh, changing environment. And I just think that it, it's just getting tougher and tougher to sell. People are more on their toes when it comes to investments and thus uh, holding back. That means that um, we need to find new ways or better ways to engage with, with customers. And of course, there's a lot of the, the good old stuff that still holds true, but we also need to kind of reinvent uh, the wheel a bit um, and there's a lot of digital, of course. Um, so the digital engagement has come to stay and we need to improve that as well. So I think there's a lot of stuff cooking. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Uh, but, but um, you know, going digital, that was great, right? Uh, and in my opinion, you, you know, if you do that right, you save yourself a lot of time and you save the potential customer a lot of time. Does that really play out or is it just, um, yeah, does, do we benefit from this? In your opinion, yeah, I think we benefit from it. Um, digital is, a, of course, a, a very broad thing uh, when it comes to sales. It's everything from uh, having our uh, sales meeting as virtual meetings on Teams or WebEx or whatever, 
but it's also about sort of engaging customers early using for instance social media or other vehicles to to drive uh, drive the prospecting engine or drive engagement so yes i think so because we are at least what i see in many organizations we're getting way more productive we should be way more productive because we can sit more or less on our butts and um, do some of the things that would require travel uh, before. Mm. So yeah, I think it's making us more effective, but we also need a handle with care, so to speak. Yeah, that's true. I heard this, uh, I talked to this guy and uh, I should say I met him in the uh, ski lift this morning. Okay. <laughs> Breakfast skiing can be recommended. Uh, but he said that he was actually on the buyer side yeah. And 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 this uh, this digital was really good and a time saving because he could reach out to like let's say more vendors. Yeah, yeah. He can get them to pitch stuff in. He could give them like half an hour, so he could yeah. set aside half an hour, and then he could cherry pick three. Sure. Uh, so so another example: the power is in the buyer. Uh, yeah. And, and you need to get your stuff straight <laughs> and right from the start, sure. unless you're out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true, true. I think on the other side, with most of us having maybe, let's say, for instance, limited subject matter experts, it's it's much more effective now that if you have like virtual meetings that, let's say that you're in one of the experts in my organization, it's, it's easy for you to join one of my virtual meetings and then join another one's virtual meeting instead of traveling the world to be in two or three hour meetings and all the travel time. So. There's also a lot of the heavy lifting that we can do more effective, I would say. Mm. But but that's something we all learned, I think, during the, the pandemic. And and it seems like, well, we, we've kept a lot of it, but we also lost some of it. I, I At least I can see that kind of bouncing a bit back to uh, to normal when it comes to physical meetings. Yeah, it is it is nice also to meet people in uh, in, in real life, right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're social animals. So, of course, it's, yeah. it's difficult to be limited in the virtual space. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's it's a trade-off, right? There, there are pros and cons when it comes to both channels. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's go to the topic then of today: um, virtual prospecting. That's you know you've done some training uh, with us at, at SuperOffice, and I think we really enjoyed it, and it was an eye-opener. And this podcast episode is about you know the highlights of this. Sure. Uh, so we're condensing it down to to thirty minutes rather than the three hours and a workshop, but I think <laughs> uh, hopefully people get some ideas of uh, how to work on it. And and you know, like you said it in the beginning, uh, some is new and some is old, and something never sure. changes. And yeah. I mean, in you always start out with you know the ba the basis of uh, selling anything. You need to address a pain, and yeah. pain as a driver for change. How is that? Is that's still the same, right? It's still valid when you yeah, go out there prospecting. It's, it's, it is still the same, and it, I still think that it totally resonates with with the buyers. As again, if if you have a critical business issue, something that you're concerned about, or you have a, something that you're losing out on, it it's a much bigger driver for change instead of trying to sell something to someone based on what they can actually achieve. And if you go back in sort of in uh, behavioral science. Um, what we normally say is that people are twice as motivated to change if they stand to lose something versus gaining something. And it's been proven many times in the world, times in the world of psychology, that something that is hurtful, something that's painful, that's just a great motivator. And we're less yeah. motivated when it comes to achieving something. And that's just back to the good old change thing. Yeah. So, so I still think that pain is a pain is absolutely uh, one of the most important drivers for change. Mm. 
Uh, but but what about uh, losing something? So you're losing out on 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 uh, closing business or uh, losing out on uh, you could have more profitable uh, profitability if you did yeah. some change. Is that the time? Yeah, if, yes, exactly. If it's phrased more as a loss versus as a as a gain, then it it, it just plays better with uh, with our psychology <laughs> and our status quo bias. So it's 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 back to that. Most of us we uh, we prefer not to change unless we have to, unless we're forced to. And if and there are two drivers here. If we if we really feel the pain, that's a great motivator. And at the same time, somehow we're wired to we don't we hate to lose stuff or miss out on stuff. And, and if you marry those two, they're either a potent cocktail not to change or actually to change. So I think it's it's something that can still be leveraged and should be leveraged in the engagement with clients. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have something uh, up uh, cooking in Denmark as well. People are soon losing a holiday. Ooh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're addressing the elephant yeah. in the room. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hard sell for somebody. That, that's and, a hard and, sell and for France. someone. Yeah, yeah let, let's see yeah. if they actually succeed. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, another thing with the pain, uh, you, you say that it's personal and it's job specific and it's quantifiable. Can you elaborate on that? Sure, I can. So, so again, it, it's it's not organizations. Organizations don't buy stuff. It's people that buy from people, right? So that means if we just talk about challenges or pains in a broad perspective, hey, your company, they have a re you, you guys have a revenue challenge. It doesn't really resonate if I'm talking to you, let's say that you're a VP production and you're, you're basically super stressed or measured on a meeting a certain volume target in production. As such, you don't care about the revenue. You just care about meeting your KPIs or your targets. And in this case, it's, it might be volume, it could be cost per unit, whatever you're measured on. So we need to take sort of the pain from a broad perspective down to a more personal perspective. Again, it probably wouldn't rock your boat, even if you're in a management team. And let's say that, God forbid, that SuperOffice had a revenue challenge. And if you were more like on a, let's say on the consulting side, sure you would be concerned, but it's not something that would rock your boat. And that means we need to find we need to find talking points or challenges or pains that will rock the boat of the personal or the individual, because that's where the, the magic begins. Either if there is a problem, it's typically, it should be personal and it, and it is obviously, and most of the time also very um, job specific. So if you look at CFOs, they tend to attract certain challenges like uh, a cash flow problems, uh, profit challenges, costs, et cetera. And the same thing go with, goes with sales, CEOs, et cetera kind of like a pool of challenges that they, they attract. And mm -hmm. and what they attract and what they're concerned about, that's potentially what they want to, want to address and what they want to talk about. So yeah. yes, I think that is, and, and then back to the quantifiable stuff you also mentioned. Um, pains are basically just KPIs in disguise, right? If you were the VP production and I said, hey, uh, HC, you need to, um, you need to produce 10,000 bicycles more than you did last year. That's kind of like a KPI, but it's also a problem or could be a problem for you if if you're running at a max capacity in your production facility. And then suddenly that KPI becomes a pain and it's highly quantifiable, right? 10,000 yep. bikes. So, so I think that there are three elements when, when we talk about pain or challenges. Yes, they need to be personal. Yes, they need to be job specific or else it won't rock the boat of the, uh, the person we engage with. And last but not least, good way to measure if it's really a pain, if it's, if it's measurable. So yep. typically money, um, percentage, time, um, et cetera. So, so that's, so the quantifiable aspect, I think it's important. 
Yeah. And I guess if we talk B2B sales and, you know, like ICP, ideal customer profile, yeah. you have con contract value, maybe 500,000 nooks or something. So it's quite big customers, right? Yeah. And then then it's, you know, before you, you called one person and then you tried to book a meeting and to solve everything in one go. And, and that has, that really puts the pressure and the, the challenge on the sales guys because you're not now addressing the company, as you say, you're not addressing one person because you might reach a dead end. You didn't, you didn't hit the, the, the spot on for the production guy, but then yeah. you might want to go other because people have multiple pains in multiple areas. Uh, yeah. And that's where this uh, personal um, sales managers have one type of pain. And in the same company, the CFOs can have a different type of pain. And you really have to know about these things, right? And, and we also know that maybe not a surprise, but we, we work, typically, hopefully we work as a team, which also means that we are highly interrelated. So, so what we normally say is that one person's problem typically becomes another one, the reason for another one's problem. So yes, being the, let's say the VP sales, having a problem meeting a certain revenue target, that's definitely a revenue challenge. But if you look at this from a CFO perspective, if, if in this case, the VP sale doesn't meet his or her revenue target, it will probably hit sort of the, the profit, right? And, and that person might be measured on the profit. So they have completely different pains. They're mm -hmm. highly interrelated. Yeah. That also means that from a sales point of view, you need to be very skilled in having different types of conversation that I, conversations that are really engaging, right? So with the VP sales, we need to have a conversation around something that drives revenue. But if I turn to a meeting with the CFO, guess what? I need to have a conversation around driving up profitability or profit. Yeah. So, so you need to like be kind of like perform as a, be a, like a Swiss army knife and adjust mm -hmm. the conversation accordingly. Yeah, and I guess that's where all the preparation comes in because in ABM, a, a key component is that you just don't uh, find 120 accounts, right? You really need to do some research to find mm -hmm. uh, companies that fit in the company's uh, ICP. Uh, you need to find uh, uh, um, possible pains they have, typical pains they have. You have to think that you have solved the uh, solution, uh, solved these pains in your uh, current customers. Yeah. And then you have to break it down into these uh, areas again, right? Exactly. Yes. And then if you do that, that then it makes sense because in account-based marketing, then you can create campaigns addressing uh, sales managers, right? Exactly. And you can address the pains and the possible solutions for that. So it, it fits together, but it's it's some it's a lot of work and a lot of training and a lot of uh, I mean, yeah, just the old yeah. days, you can call yeah. a lot of customers, but now you can call the right customers, right? True, true. But I, but I, I actually also like the idea that that you you put a bit more effort into your, uh, let's say, prospecting activities or in in your ABM activities. Like, you need to, of course, be aware of who am I actually uh, sort of addressing? What could be the typical challenges? And it, I think for me, it resonates with with knowing that and creating messages that we can that shows up in, for instance, if you're a VP sales, it shows up in your LinkedIn feed. Uh, and it's it's highly targeted because it addresses something that is on the top of your mind right now versus all the other crap that goes on in LinkedIn. I think that it, it resonates. It's I don't, I'm not saying that it's easy to do, but for me, even me, I see that as well. If I if I browse through my feed and LinkedIn feed, and there's something that just sort of captures me, it's simply because it addresses a challenge that I have. Yeah. Uh, the rest is just kind of like commercial stuff, right? Yeah, so, yeah, like no, noise, more or less. It's just noise. Yeah, it's just social noise. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you need to to pick your industry. 
you need to pick the personas uh, that you want to uh, address. Uh, yeah. You need to to find some pain points that each of these personas have, yeah. and sort of you need to pres you ha you need to have a good solution to address that pain point, right? Sure, and maybe yeah. uh, there's there's a link between sort of I, I see that a lot of um, a lot of people in sales or organizations they jump directly from hey you have a challenge or a pain here's the solution for that. <sighs> what we know now is that well. I think that's jumping to a conclusion. You need to kind of like double click on the pain and try to find out why is the problem there? What are the underlying reasons or what are the barriers that prevents customer from maybe achieving something or, or eliminating something? And it, it's it's more addressing the underlying reasons or the um, the causes that I think it's, it's, it's relevant. That also shows that you're a bit more detailed or uh, in, on sort of, at, let's say the consultative part versus just saying, hey, if you have this problem, we have the solution for it. Yeah, but we're yes. still on the prospecting side uh, because yeah. in the sales process, of course, you have to really deep dive and address yeah. it. But on the prospecting side, you know, how do you get your foot in the door, uh, basically, so that you are one of those possibly trusted uh, vendors? Yeah, and I, I think that that's more in the uh, understanding the, the potential underlying reasons or barriers because, it, hey, to be very honest, it's, it's easy to put together a message that says something about sort of, having a difficulty meeting a revenue target. We all have difficulties meeting our revenue target. It's not easy, right? <laughs> but where sort of where it, the rubber meets the road, that's when you also maybe in your communication or in your messaging address, what could be the potential underlying reasons why so? And that could be everything from not having a solid, let's say, digital process and not having a sales process, not having skilled people, not able to create the right messaging, whatever that, that goes into that part. But I think that's what really captures the, um, the buyer. That's when he or she looks at, Okay, I recognize that problem, right? but now you really got me because when I look at the underlying reasons, that totally resonates with my own conclusion of why we have a revenue problem. It's because we do not have a structured sales process or our salespeople are not able to communicate at sea level or whatever that we're yeah, addressing yeah. in the, in the comp. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a healthy combo of these things. Yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah, you need to really understand the under, underlying pro, uh, problems or reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then, uh, okay, the next the next part of this was, um, you know, uh, you said it in the beginning. You said the word vehicles. That's news news for me. But uh, and you said drive. You know, so that fits together. Channels, vehicles, whatever. Channels. Yeah, yeah. same thing, but different. Yeah. Yeah, and you have the the classic ones. You know, pick up the phone. Uh, mm. You have the other one, email. You have yeah. personal email. You have bulk emails, and then you have you know social media. So where where is it? Uh, what, what's your experience now? If you want to, you know, do this all uh, prospecting uh, work on your uh, target group, I think that it's it, it's. I wouldn't, I, to be very honest, I, not that I'm I'm afraid of picking up the phone, but I just think it's so darn difficult to get access to the right people. So I think there are two vehicles or two channels left. Email, most of us, we stray away from that because we have this uh, healthy skepticism when it comes to emails. Oh, it's, we, these are uh, bulk emails that are not personal, et cetera. And I think that's it's it's highly underestimated using emails. It depends on what you put in that email and also it needs to be personal, of course. Mm. So it, so I think that, that if you look at the, the sort of the, the remainder of the two other vehicles, emails and social media, emails will give you short-term and it's something that, and short term sounds great, right, in sales, but it's maybe um, maybe less effective, but it's short term, I, I like it. 
long term is more the social stuff, the social media stuff where you create thought leadership around yourself and in a subtle way start attracting customers because you have a certain itch or whatever it is. But I think it's 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 a combo of the, the two two of them, and that's also what I use um, myself. And I actually find these days I actually find so, so not social media because that's a lot in in it for the long run. But I actually find email to be highly effective if you're able to craft a really good solid email, of course. Yeah, I can see that in my uh, inbox. Uh, I get a, a lot of a uh, lot of easy uh, plain text uh, yeah. emails. Uh, I can see that uh, some of them, most of them, or many of them are automatically, you know, there's an yeah, engine yeah. behind it. And uh, most of those don't even uh, hit me with, with anything. But then I oh. come across a few where, you know, you feel that they, they have, they, for some, I feel that they know me a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. And they have done some investigation and some research, but it's very short. I mean, you, you talk about these 90 words or whatever it is. They're very short, but very to the point. Yeah, and of really course, uh, if I get a hundred emails, maybe two of them are that. So, so, so I guess you cannot expect to to hit on everybody, right? And over time, no. you might hit on something, but but those that are highly personalized and they they bring some to me, that's when I get interested yeah, in, in yeah, investigating and, and, some more. Yeah, and I think that systems are different kind of or email system. Like they're getting smarter and smarter, but it's so easy still to look through of the clutter and see this is an automated uh, email hmm. versus a real personal email and I, I think it still rarely happens that you really get a personal email and it is a pity because it's really impactful if you can put something together based on let's say your vast experience on a certain industry typical challenges uh, let's see seen from a VP point of view and you can inject that into a simple message it's way more powerful because it's hmm. it's also easy for the human being to to look at something and say this is actually something that was made for me not yeah. by a robot or whatever. Yeah, that, that's true. But, but uh, you know, uh, I guess LinkedIn is one of the key social media platforms here, right? Yeah, it, is the, it is the media, right? The With, media. Uh, what is it? We have 850 million users on yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah, and it's really amazing. But, but in some industries, I feel like, oh, they're not really there. But other, other industries, everybody's there. So you can really deep dive and see the, get hold of all the personas or, yeah. positions uh, and yeah. try to form a buying committee sort of who, who's and then you approach all of these okay. uh, but but to me it seems like you know reach has gone down um does it work or i mean uh, you have a lot of followers on uh, on uh, on linkedin uh, michael i have two and a half thousand and it's it's very up and down yeah but i think it's 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 because most of us we have this sort of uh twisted idea that it's all about the followers or the views or uh, sort of the um, how many people are in our network, but it's all about the this, uh, sorry, pardon my friends, goddamn LinkedIn algorithm that they're constantly tweaking. And it, it's a funny thing, right? You used, at least in the beginning, when I started using social media more actively, I thought yeah. that, hey, I have um, plus whatever, 5,000 um, uh, people that are connected with me. So of course they get my message, but they don't, right? You, yeah. you, you produce something, uh, you put it on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn kind of like monitors what's going on. It, it has a, an idea of who's actually exposed to it. And if it picks up speed, awesome, then it expands. And if it doesn't pick up speed, it's just forgotten in two seconds, kind of, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but of mm. course, there is, there, is a, there is a correlation between sort of having a good, broad network, of course, and then doing the right type of messaging. Mm. It, it, it all depends on how, 
how people interact with your content or with your message. Yeah, that's that's sort of the conclusion. And I think that there are many self-acclaimed experts that are constantly trying to sort of come up with I this is what how you can play the LinkedIn algorithm. But yeah, I don't think that anybody can actually play the LinkedIn algorithm. No, uh, no. But I guess you need to be there on a continuous basis. Yeah, there, there, are some, to, yeah. there are some best practices. We, we do know that that content that that captures the interest of the audience, it just works and it, it, yeah. it expands. And, and we also know that there's a certain type of frequency, not overloading stuff, but are not sort of underloading, but at least a couple of times per week, uh, mm -hmm. being a content creator, you need to do that. And it's, it still puzzles me that with more than 800 million users that we do know uh, that we see that around 3 million of these people are the only ones that actually produces content. Yeah. And the rest are just like, they're just looking in. <laughs> just, follow. yeah. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just looking. So if if you have, like, I have forty customers on my list, right? Uh, yeah. We start out with uh, with the uh, campaigns and stuff. What would be your advice to to contact these guys? Because would it be to start follow the company, then look at these key persons that you're interested in that you have a message to, you know, follow them and then show some interest. Because they will also see the LinkedIn ads from the ABM yeah. campaign, so you have yes. you're going from two sides. Yeah, I, I will. I would basically do two things. So the effective side is, of course, using ABM, which is also more the more expensive side, very targeted. And I'm showing up um, my content or my marketing content showing up in your feed, and that means that you you kind of like I'm on your radar, hopefully. But yeah. on the, and then of course the second thing is that I I somehow need to create content as a salesperson or whoever I am that captures the interest and that can be sort of these small yeah small uh, articles or a small post around certain topic that of course addresses the uh, the potential challenges etc cetera, etc cetera. and then when when someone that could be you if you like uh, something that I've posted or even comment on that. Then you can reach out uh, to that person, but but you can do that in a more subtle way. Hey, HC, I saw that you liked my comment. Um, I have some more data around sort of what I'm addressing. If you're curious about that or if you're interested, just give me an email. And that could be the more subtle way. You can also do like kind of like a more aggressive uh, way of yeah. reaching out. Say, hey, you liked it or you comment on that. So would it be uh, would you be up for a call next week, a Thursday? I have some more content that I would like to share with you and not this specific topic. So I, I think it's it's. And like up to you to decide if you want to go the more subtle way or you want to go the more aggressive way, so to speak. Yeah. So because then it comes into what we call, you know, the cadence of things, because right. it's very easy. If I, I want to do this structured and programmatic sort of because I put everything in my CRM system and I know 45 customers this year that that's yeah. on my plan. So yeah. I need to do some sort of structured way. Right. I need to, in January, I do this, and in February, I need to call them again because, you know, you have a, a expressions, are they latent or active looking? And most yeah. of these are not actively looking. You need to spark their interest so that they are actually thinking different. Yeah. So, so is, is there some sort of uh, structure on that, uh, in your opinion, as well, or is it? Mm, there, are, there are certain companies that, uh, that have... So done some research around sort of uh, the most effective way of uh, communicating or what they call, I think they call the most optimal outbound sales cadence. But I think it's, it still still lacks the social media factor. It's, it's either, there are like there are two vehicles, right? You can either pick up the phone 
and try to get access. So you can send an email or you can combine the two things. But yeah. what they're more or less settled on is that you need to be um, you need to be persistent uh, or you need to show some stamina when it comes to this. So they know that if you combine at least if you at least do three reach outs, like I try to call you, don't get access to you, send you an email, you don't respond. I call you again or send another email. But the, the more engagements or the more reach outs you try to do, the more successful you are. And I think that what I saw is that if you have around three communication reach outs, you can actually uh, get up to plus 20% in success rate as, as getting access to, to a stakeholder. But, yeah. but I think it's, it's, I think it's, again, it's, it's a healthy mix of everything, right? If you have solid ABM thing running on the side that where you produce nice and relevant content, gated content that attracts the audience at the same time, you're either doing classic, let's call it classic prospecting emails, reaching directly out to that person, or you're just pushing uh, let's say more personal or personalized feed into your social media pot. Mm, I think it's, it's a healthy combi combo of all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's no one silver bullet and uh, no, ABM is, is a hot thing, but you really, the prospecting side of sales, you never, that never goes out of fashion. You need to do it every day. Uh, what, I, what I like about the, at least a, EB, even though ABM is really targeting people, it, it can still be, it can still require lots of time and money and effort to actually get, get a hold of people. What I like about the email, let's, let's disregard the phone just for two sec. The email is kind of like, it's, it's a hit or a miss thing, right? Mm, I, yeah. I send something to you and you either say no, or you don't answer, right? Or you, you go like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Can you send me some more? And there's a small hook in the call sort of in the, in the relationship now. Mm. So I like the, uh, I like it. It's, it's an instant payoff. Yeah. That's what I like. And most salespeople like that instant payoff. <laughs> yeah, but then you would sort of, you would get those people that you're interested in through social media or, or look, to, look on LinkedIn, the profiles or. Yeah, well, I would, I would be really old school if, if, if I didn't have your email address, I would simply just call the, uh, the company super office, the receptions. Hey, I'm trying to send something. I'm trying to reach uh, AC with some content. Can you please give me his, his email address? And I actually, it's super simple. I, I do that all the time. And I've never had an, any sort of, uh, an, any episodes where someone at the reception said, no, I cannot give you HC's email. And by the way, it's it's all over the internet anyways, right? It's either on the company webpage or what have you. So I think yeah. that's that's fairly easy to get hold of that. And then it, it's just yeah, about- but still, Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, but still you have to sort of, you know, GDPR, when you store it, they'll get in a message that we have stored your content and blah, blah, blah. So there, there has to be some sort of reason for it. Uh, yeah, but just reaching out, that should be okay. I'm not storing yeah. anything as such, but it, it could yeah. be just this sort of a simple email. Hey, I read on the news that you guys are, or we've recently been working with another company in your industry and they were, it's it's a highly personal email, right? That yeah. goes out to you. Yeah. And yeah, like a name dropping, you can sort of use. Yeah, I see. Could be one way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. I, I just think for me, I, and I'm I'm doing a lot of prospecting, and I, I in the beginning, a couple of years ago, I was a bit reluctant with the emails because wow, people are so fed up with these goddamn emails, and it's so easy to look through the clutter. But mm. what I what I tend to see is that yeah, everybody's carrying a smartphone. We we people we are all sucked into the email stuff, and if you send something that is highly relevant. People will stop. They will read that uh, email and either respond back, "I'm not interested," or 
they will be curious or they will, of course, not respond, which is a third option, but it's just such an instant thing. And yes, it requires a bit more effort on your side, but it's just like ABM. You're targeting a certain person. You need to, you need to be, you need to think, you need to think about what could be the potential pain and it's not really so far from just picking up the phone. You can't just pick up the phone with a, with a generic script anymore, right? It, and no. the same thing with the email. It, it cannot be generic. It needs to sort of strike a nerve or something. Yeah. So let's uh, wrap up the points to the email or to the communication. You know, you have a subject line uh, and you have, you have the content. Uh, that was this, you had this bottle called Snap. Yeah. Is that something exactly, you have invented yeah. or is it a general? No, 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 it's or... not. It's actually, it's actually a sort of a, a phrase that I stole from a uh, woman called Jill Conrad that sort of coined the phrase uh, and and she claims, and uh, and I totally agree with her, she was just very good at coining it, that what we do know is that it takes around 2.7 seconds to uh, to make a decision when, you, when you're hit by an email if you want to read on. And, and she coined the phrase snap, that, that it's kind of like a filter that we all have. And the snap stands for the S is like, it needs to be simple. So it should require kind of like no effort for me as a receiver to grasp the, the meaning of it. And it should be what she calls invaluable. That's the N. And that means that it needs to bring value to me immediately. It needs to be personal. And that's again, back to addressing something that I might be concerned about, AKA a pain. And then it needs to be what she called the A stands for aligned, aligned with my objectives. And then last but not least, the P stands for priority. And that means I again need to find something that again has a high priority for me as a receiver. Typically goes together with the pain thing. So it's it's kind of a filter that most of us have, whether it's called snap as that or it's called something else. But that's how we mostly assess a B two B email. Yeah, and I guess uh, that again, if you do the 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 workshop uh, topics here, that you you maybe you should join with your sales colleagues, uh, uh, look for an industry, uh, look for different personas. What kind of yeah. pains do they have? What are the reasons for the pain, and what solutions you have? And then you can craft some of these. Uh, messages out and then you just yeah. need to try right yeah i think it's it's also trial and error so there's no right or wrong here <laughs> but there are, there's something that's a bit more right than wrong and that is that you still need to stimulate interest and create curiosity in your messaging but besides being simple and all that stuff it needs to be uh, like boiled down to the essence <clears throat> what kind of challenges do you think that your receiver he or she has mm -hmm. And, and how can that actually potentially, or how have we actually addressed that? Something around those lines. But for me, it's, it's either challenges or pains, could also be certain strategic initiatives we have read that a customer or an organization is pushing. Could also be certain trends in the market that, you know, we see these trends and you're in that industry. Are, are, you, are you seeing the same trends? And if you are, it's actually something we have already worked with other companies, blah, blah. So something along those lines, but, but it, we really need to keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, and it's uh, what you said to me a long time ago. It said, uh, if you get a no, it's not a no forever. It's a no, not today. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you need to, to keep on, find different angles. And if one person says no, there might be different of opinions also in, in the company. What are the key priorities that they need to, to address? Yeah. Exactly, because again, you, you might reach out to a stakeholder and he or she has a pain, but there might be other and more important priorities in the organization that are addressing that specific person's pain. So yes, it's just a yeah. no right now. It's not yeah. necessarily a no forever. Okay, great. 
Yeah, sure. A lot of good stuff as normally, uh, Mikhail. <laughs> it sounds so easy when we talk. Oh yeah, uh, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But you know, uh, it's uh, this is what makes uh, makes it fun to be in uh, in sales. Uh, yeah, I think it, it it does. Right, there are so so many things that are changing, and there are so many things that stay the same. And the stuff that stays the same, which most of us we don't even get that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you say, it's tougher out there now for many, but uh, that means opportunities for those who, who who do this in a serious fashion. And you need to train. I have to say that again. You need to train, practice, go out there, go again. You know, you get hit down, you raise up, and then um, yeah. Yeah. and in the end, uh, it's not. It, it's a lot about quality, but of course, it's a numbers game as well. Oh yeah, it is. But but I like that you mentioned quality over quantity. But... Yeah. Yes, they're kind of interrelated, but I would if 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 we feel that what we're doing doesn't have the right quality, we shouldn't do it because then we'll just be spam, which is part of my friends pissing off people in their inbox or in their feed. We need mm -hmm. to focus on quality and I'd rather spend one or two hours more making sure the quality is right instead of just pushing the send button or whatever, just to get it out because then I can do a tick in the box. And I think that's yeah. I think that a lot of us are now getting more structured and more focused on the quality because in turbulent times you cannot run around like headless chickens that will be a waste of time for everybody so yeah yeah that's true so wrapping it up what's the one or two or three important tips here if you're a sales guy it's you know it's first of february today so it's it a blank is. sheet a new opportunity for a new month you know what the status was in the last we're all of a quarter uh, you know, um, yeah, I would, you... I would say there are two things that I would do, uh, if I, if I were to listen on to this podcast, one, I would uh, sort of up up my game when it comes to doing email prospecting. So email again, personalized emails, and would be really keen on crafting highly personalized messages that of course include potential pain slash challenges. And I would start that immediately and experiment with different approaches. And then in the long run, starting right now, the 1st of February, I would start to um, start to make a plan for not being sort of, I'm just a sales guy, let's say that. So I'm not the, I'm not sort of responsible for running an ABM process or whatever in a company, but, but I am responsible for my profile on social media. And if I, if I'm in the business of selling, I need to create some thought leadership around me as a person. And I would start that journey right now. Uh, because I, again, it will require quite some time and effort before it pays off. But when it pays off, it's it's just way more solid than doing the all the other prospecting thing. Yeah. So that, that's that's basically what I would take away. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. And it takes time to create a habit. I read that it, you have to do a thing seventy times or sixty-eight times. Oh, uh, wow. to, <laughs> a little bit every day, right? Yeah, it's a little, but, but if you make a plan that, hey, I have to commit, I need to do two um, two posts per week on my LinkedIn. And again, yeah. a post that doesn't have to be very long and there's also a limit to how long it can be. And then there's so much, mostly in, in most companies, just like SuperOffice, if you, as an, as an example, if you take the SuperOffice blog, it's a vast repository of relevant information, but there's just already so much of it, right? But you can just go in as a salesperson. If if I were a salesperson, super obvious, just capture the essence of some of these uh, blog posts and then phrase that in, let's like, say, a personal post and that I would post on my LinkedIn feed. The more you do it, 
the more it becomes a, people become aware that hey AC he's constantly posting something about this it probably means that he's an expert in the area so I, it doesn't have to be so hard to do that I would sounds say. good yeah great two nice tips I hope all our listeners will uh, you know uh, catch up with uh, Mikael, I want to thank you again for a really great conversation. It's a pleasure having you on. It's uh, good tips, practical tips, and uh, I hope our listeners are of the same opinion, and I'm sure they are. Thanks so for thank you. Me, AC. It was really a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll stop this recording now. There we go. Wow, that was a smooth interview or a conversation. I really hope you liked it. And if you did, don't hesitate to share it with a friend or a colleague or somebody you think might benefit from what we are discussing here in the SuperOffice podcast. If you have a tips for a guest or a topic, please send it to hc at superoffice.com. Last time we got a pretty good tips and I've lined up a new guest for um, a future episode. So uh, keep them coming in. Until next time, take care and be curious and good luck with your virtual prospecting. Thanks.